Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. There's three sides to every story. There's my side, your side, and the truth. Which Kelly are you? Edward. People call me Ned. I photograph what my conscience asks me to. Mad Max 2. It's my kind of movie. Shut up! Shut up! Your friend can't come back, Sledge. Oh, he's disabled, I'm this carer. You're blind. He's an equal opportunity employer. The kids who are sick cannot do the hip hop anymore. G'day and welcome to The Curb. My name's Andrew Pierce, and this podcast is proudly recorded in the lands of the Wajak people of Perth region and they pay respects to their elders, both past, present, and emerging. On this particular episode, I catch up with two of the people behind the wonderful new Australian documentary, Birth Time, Zoe Naylor and Joe Hunter. This is a really powerful film. It is a powerful documentary that is all about the birthing process in Australia. And it takes a a really intimate and close look at how things could improve and how things could change for the better for the mothers, for the partners and for the babies as well. I really appreciated watching this film, and I think that you will too. It is heading around, around Australia uh, this week, starting off in Sydney at the event cinemas in George Street and 7pm February 11th. I'll stick the rest of the screening times in the show notes, so make sure to head down there and check out where it's screening around Australia, because I highly recommend heading along to go and see this film with your mother, your father, your sister, your partner, whoever. I think this is really a vital film. For more information as well about Birth Time, head over to their website, which is birthtime.world. Again, the link will be in the show notes, and you can always organize to have your own uh, fan force screening or organize a screening for you and your friends. Uh, it's not just a film for midwives. It is a film, as I was saying, for everybody. I really appreciated the time that both uh, Joe and Zoe took to be able to talk about their film and to talk about their views on birthing as well. But as always, that's enough of me talking. Let's jump into the trailer and be back with the interview. Okay. I just felt so out of control. I felt like things were happening to me. I went from having like normal contractions to just going straight out massacre. They tried forceps, they used the suction, they cut her. I just screamed out no. That was the worst moment of my life. It was just kind of like I was just all on my own. For the past four years, Joe, Jerusha and myself have been on the road asking women, their partners and medical experts about their experiences in the maternity system. What do you think needs to be done? We have to actually dismantle the whole way we do maternity care at the moment and start again. We're building scaffolding on the top of a system which is collapsing all the time. Do you have kids? No kids, no kids. I have two dogs and a cat. Um, but I have a niece and nephew though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very good. Yeah. Hey Joe, how are you doing? 
Uh, my name's Andrew. Hey, good. Thanks How are you? Us. Yeah, good. Thanks. Good. Thanks. Thanks Hi. for joining. Yay, Jess. Cool. <laughs> I thought I'd don our uniform. This is our new T-shirts, Andrew. You see? It's think? really impressive. I think it's great. Look, so, look at the back. So, can you see that? That's There's wonderful. One woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's really cool. Are you gonna are you gonna be selling them at the at screenings and Q and A screenings and stuff? Or yeah, it's actually we've just articulating. It's called like action steps. So once you watch the movie, like what's what do you do then? Because it's one thing to crack open a conversation. Then what do people do to really support the cause? So we've actually got really six steps, and this is one of them to buy and wear the t shirt because we found midwives in our last run of um, t shirts. They were wearing them in the hospitals and. When the obstetrician, they're like, what's that? There's a conversation that can start in your backyard when people are start the brand, you know, and we've been very particular about birth time. It's a very corporate. Hey, Joe. Hey, Aaron. Um, <laughs> it's a bye, babe. Um, it's a really, um, you know, it's, it's a very uh, mainstream branding and it's really like people can really, it's a real invitation. And even our poster, there was like, that was a huge process. It's a very it's really inviting so people can kind of get curious because it's so polarizing this subject and there's so much trauma that people are triggered so easily that you know then they close down so we just really wanted to make sure it's accessible to the mainstream that's Mm. all well joe i was i was saying to zoe before i used to work doing birth data so i would get all of the birth data for western australia and basically push it out as a birth notification to send on to uh the chn so that they could help the mother on the journey after the birth. And yeah, as you're saying, there is so much, um, I was surprised at how much kind of antagonism there was directed towards home birth midwives and the distinction between the two. Uh, and it surprised me so much because it, I always thought as somebody who was receiving the data, like, well, isn't it great to be able to give birth in your own home, surrounded by your family uh, with the support of everybody around you and there seemed to be this real push for cesareans and push for hospital care and things like that um i guess i mean obviously you knew this going into making the film but did it surprise you how antagonistic people can be about the home birth process yeah, I mean, I, it forever surprises me. Um, you know, I am a home birth midwife, so it's interesting meeting new people and, and hearing their their take on that. Um, and, and it comes from a place of not being educated, really. Um, you know, I mean, we are professionals. We carry a whole kit of equipment. We, we you know, we're highly trained in emergency skills. Um, but what I see, and it's getting a bit um, unstable here, sorry. Is that, can you hear me okay? No. Am I, am I, am I, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, what I see week in, week out is just women giving birth in their lounge rooms and it's not a big deal, you know. Um, so I think it's about the mindset and I think it's about the model of care that women choose because, you know, in, in our system it is very, very medicalised. Um, and I think that's that's what we're kind of hoping will change by, you know, offering midwifery care to all women. Um, I mean, obviously some women also will need an obstetrician because they might have risk factors or whatever, but, you know, the majority of women can give birth just under midwifery care. I think it's really important, Andrew, like this is not about home birth. It's actually about continuity of midwifery care. 
And in this country, 0.03% of women choose home birth, but 8% only can get even access continuity midwifery care. You know, we have that 33% cesarean rate and the World Health Organization says it should be 10%. So there's something so out of whack, you know. Women finish this move and go, okay, I, I want, I'd like a midwife and a doula, actually. It's so hard to, to even get it. Like, that's the point, you know. We've got to change the construct of the system. Yeah. Well, the, early on you talk about the normalcy of epidurals and from my perspective, there became a normalcy of cesareans, particularly um, there was kind of a cross-section of getting, uh, well, like in private care, you would see a whole bunch of women getting scheduled in before a weekend, especially a long weekend and things like that. And so on a Friday, they're, you know, lining up and having cesareans done on a Friday so the doctor can go off and do whatever. And that I noticed that was kind of infecting into the public system as well. And there were a few midwives who would raise a question of like, like when we would send out the annual report, they'd say, well, why is it, you know, gradually increasing, you know, up 10% so far every year. And so far it became, as you're saying, 33% is it's insane that so many people are getting cesareans done. Um, what has have you shown the film to people, and, and what has been their reaction to that kind of the over cesareanization of, of birth process? What's been the reaction to that? Well, not not many people have seen it yet. Actually, we've only I mean we've people in um, film festivals have seen it overseas. And we've had just a small group of people who are actually in the film view it at Fox Studios during COVID. It's like 11 people. So not many people have seen it. So we actually haven't had that feedback yet. Um, But I think, you know, I mean, the World Health Organization does say 10 to 15%. And they say that beyond that, there's actually no no better outcomes. You know, 10 to 15% does create better outcomes for women and babies. Beyond that, nothing changes. So we've got to look at why we're doing it. And like you said, yeah, there is, there's a whole, um, I can't remember the research, but there was one research paper that looked at times of cesarean sections even on, in a day. And was a, there was a big amount at dinner time and there was a big amount just like at sort of 11 o'clock at night. So, and you kind of go, well, why is that? What's that about? Is it home for dinner and home for bed? Hmm. Interesting, actually, one of the questions I've had recently was about what's the big deal about birthing out of your vagina? You know, what's the big deal? And and I was really, it was a really interesting question. And I was like, wow, like if that's the cultural standpoint, there's got to be, a, there's, there's something incredibly wrong when we're, we're thinking that what Mother Nature intended as the gold standard is being totally contravened, like, at the hands of man. I just think it's a really interesting, you know, your publication really talks about the cultural, you know, where we are culturally as a nation. And I just think this is really vital stuff. I mean, besides the science of the microbiome that you could get when you, for immunity for your newborn, there's so many other things. And we touch on this in the movie about the hormonal dance and the, what happens in the physiology of normal childbirth. Like it's just a matrix. It's magic. And, you know, the fact that, People are choosing because they're affronted by pain or they want to make it more comfortable, which, again, some of the experts talk about. It just makes my jaw drop, you know. Of course, intervention. It is a really hard thing to explain to somebody, though, if they haven't done it, you know. I mean, you know, to give birth 
without drugs and, and naturally is like for me personally, I mean, I, I obviously see it every week in, in, in and out and I see the women come out of them that completely transformed, but for myself having done it too, I could, nothing will ever top it. And it's, I, it's really hard to explain to someone what that, what that is. It's too hard to articulate and hopefully the film will show it a bit. I mean, that's the point is that we know we're showing normal physiological birth and we're showing women, you know, coming out transformed in a, in a really positive way. Um, but it's yeah. Until you've done it, it's it's really hard to to explain. I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do really appreciate the the manner that you depict and talk about the birthing process as well. Because obviously, as a man, I, I don't know what it feels like, but I understand. You know, it is really helpful for me to understand how beneficial it is for the mother and how beneficial it is for the baby to go through the vaginal birth process so I really appreciate in the film that you've got that in there because it helps so much I want to ask why is there so much focus on the pain because it's you know it's one of the things that is continually uh, kind of raised I remember my sister gave birth twice Uh, both of them were cesarean sections she did try to have a vaginal birth for the first one and that didn't go well so she had to uh, be rushed through for a cesarean section as many of the mothers in the, the film are, are talk about there um, but everybody was like well how painful was it and that was that was always the first question that would get raised like well how painful was it and why are we so focused on that aspect of the birthing process well we can talk about this in two aspects I think Hannah you know talks about she doesn't see women in pain she sees women in labor And for me personally, my first birth, I was so unprepared that I wasn't prepared for just how primal and challenging labour was. But it's not intended to be done alone. And I don't think any woman going into it alone or lonely, and that's what I had, I was terribly alone. I was highly educated and resourced, but in terms of external, like, you know, head girl of my school and scholarships and two degrees, but totally unprepared for this rite of passage and that's what it is to be able to navigate it with some sort of embodiment I felt like I was holding onto the back of a steam train that was going full power and I was failing I failed it I checked out I wanted the epidural I just was like this is too hard what I learned when you have an in like continuity of midwifery care and are held and you are met and your partner can be included if you choose and you have a doula and you have people who have been there and know it and know it energetically when you face yourself and that's the point of this rite of passage you come out when you face yourself nothing else in the world can ever put you into that deep end and I've overcome some big personal struggles nothing I've never faced myself like I've faced myself and Bo was 10 pounds and posterior so that was a whole nother game but when I had this I, I put myself in a position to win you know athletes go to Olympics and they train with the team I I had my team my birth team that helped me navigate that And there is absolutely no way that I could have done that in the first one. You know, it was just different. And I think that we just have to know what it is we're in for. It's not called labour for nothing. It's not called let's have a, you know, a cocktail and lie on a lilo. It's absolutely challenging. But you can can do it if, you know, you've, you've put your people there. And if that's what nature intends for you, because not everyone, you know, like we know that sometimes cesareans and interventions saves lives, but if it's, if you're generally a woman, if, if that's something that's part of your thing, then far out. Like you want women to know that, that know that in their body. Like, again, like Joseph, I can't find the words. It's just 
it's like, oh, I don't know, it's all the things. Like, I just want to be like King Kong. But it, I just, <laughs> I couldn't have done it alone. That's the point. Couldn't have done it alone. Yeah. For you, Joe, as well, in, in that perspective, like the, the teamwork aspect of giving birth, how, how do you convey that to mothers? How do you, uh, and, and partners as well, how do you convey that to them talking through the process and getting them ready for the labour process? Well, so, I mean, in terms of the care that I give, I give um, full care, obviously, continuity. So I, I start seeing women at 12 weeks um, pregnant and I see them right through to six weeks postnatally and I attend their birth. And, you know, so that a lot of the time in the antenatal period, which is when they're pregnant, is spent discussing what they want out of the birth, you know, how they want it to go, what, what can be put in place to support that particular woman to get through because everybody has different ideas about that and everyone needs different things actually and it's sometimes it's not even until you're in labor that you really actually need um so uh, yeah it's 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 very individual and that's how that's why continuity works so well is because we um but in terms of support i think it's different for everybody yeah i can't i can't really articulate that because some women actually really like their own space and not to be touched or, or spoken to and just for people to be sit back and be there and others like to, you know, you to be saying, talking to them constantly and touching their bodies and, you know, helping with massage and that sort of thing. So it's, yeah, there, there's a huge range of, of support in there that works for different people. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing though, quickly, on the night that I gave birth to Bo, 19 women gave birth at RPA, which is the Royal Hospital in Sydney, and there were seven midwives on duty. Now, with Bo, I needed pressure point. Every every contraction was met by the Joe or Aaron, and I could not have navigated that labour without that support. Now, just practically, there was no way the women at the hospital could have had that in the room. And in COVID, you know, you've only allowed one person in the room in the hospitals. How do you choose between your partner and a midwife or a doula? Because the midwife, just by the nature of being stretched with the amount of women, like it's just... You know, like you want to set everyone up to win. It's just not functional within the way we've constructed birth, you know? Mm. Yeah, that, that was one of the things I noticed uh, that, uh, you know, throughout last year, the increase in home births during isolation, which was, I think there was a bit more, a bit more focus on, okay, we can't have mothers and, and vulnerable people in a hospital environment. Let's try and take them away from there as much as possible, which was great to see. Um, taking up a bunch of your time and I really appreciate it. I have just one more question though about, because uh, I really appreciate the coverage and discussion about Indigenous uh, remote areas, Indigenous communities and things like that. What surprised you about uh, going to those areas and talking to the mothers and the midwives out there? Um, because for me, certainly knowing that there needs to be a lot more uh, funding and, and care given and support given to both mothers and midwives in remote communities is a, a really major thing. Um, but I, I'm curious to hear from both of you about that. I mean, I can't, I can't believe what we're doing out there for those women. It's just, it's, it's barbaric actually. You know, I mean, women, they're, they're in remote communities, they're being shipped out you know, when they're 37 weeks pregnant on their own without any support. If they've got other kids, they stay in the community. Who knows who's looking after them? They stay in hostels across the street from the hospital in waiting until they go into labour. 
and they go off across the street, have their babies on their own without any support from any family members. And then they're stuck back on the bus, you know, 12 hours later for a 10-hour bus journey back to their community. It's just shocking. It really is. It's, it's third world stuff. Um, and something seriously needs to be done out there because it's, I, yeah, I, it, I, yeah, I found it really shocking. Yeah. And the stories that came out of there. I mean, we don't really cover those because it's, it's a story in itself. It's too, it's too big. It's too big a story. It actually needs its own documentary. But um, so we, we've kind of more followed the midwives that are working to the system. But, yeah, the hearing stories from the actual women um, and from their, their families, it's, it's big stuff. Yeah, we should be ashamed of ourselves. Mm. And for you, Zoe, as well, was there any kind of um, what kind of uh, what did you learn about that kind of aspect of the story, too? Um, just to say, we are loving talking to you, so there's no hurry. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> I know you, I get like an email to say you've got this amount of time, and I'm like, I'm always like, oh. <laughs> well, good. What thank was you. Really we, we, we did a birthing on country live event where we had a conversation with some of the Aboriginal uh, women who are both, you know, professors and, you know, working the gamut, you know, and I really forget that when they say, you know, on country, it's, I always think remote, but on country is the coast, you know, this is all their country. Australia. And what, yeah, Australia. And what floored me the most was hearing in the cities, in the progressive there is systemic racism happening. And like Sharice, when she told, that was the first time she told that. Oh, she's a, she's like the head of the birthing on country. Right? She's a fully trained, like, holy cow. Like if she's experiencing it that, like I just, I, I couldn't, yeah, it was very moving, wasn't it, Joe? Like I, and there's such, you know, like we have so far to go as a country just to acknowledge not only what's happened, but, you know, if now at the hands of the white person that they're also, I just, it, it, at, the, at the time when it's the most precious, vulnerable, open you ever are, oh, like that's just human rights 101. And I think about the women's stories in Bashi and, and just to transgress to human rights, like we haven't even touched on what it is to have human rights in childbirth because the trouble is a woman births and that can be traumatic enough. If one in three are having birth trauma, no one's taking responsibility. And by the time the woman's got the baby, she's focused fully on making mothering. She's no bandwidth to even think about litigation or making people accountable you have four years only to you know put something in like it's 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 so bad because there's no accountability ever any anywhere and you've got this one very few people working human rights in childbirth and bar she's just like this isn't she she's this epic woman just trying her guts out to, to to change something from that way and i just think wow we need more people doing that work too representing all women and you know the Muslim. Um, just going on, leading on from what Zoe was saying about um, one one woman, one midwife. You know, in the in the system, the care is so fragmented. In, in that you, every time you go to an appointment, you see a different person. Um, when you're in labour, you might go through three shift changes if it's a long labour. You know, you've never clapped eyes on that midwife, and that midwife's never seen you before. And you know, what the research shows us is with continuity for the actual midwives. 
they care a lot more about what happens to the woman because there's a relationship there. So you're not, I'm not saying that people in the system don't care about what happens to women, but when you've got a relationship with somebody and you know what it is that they want out of that experience and you help facilitate that in, in the hope that they get that experience and if they don't, you help them navigate the right, the right of not getting that and then afterwards being able to debrief it with the same person um, you know, from a midwifery perspective, it's way more fulfilling. But it's also, you know, I, I've got a lot more investment in, in helping that woman achieve what she wants to achieve because I'm seeing her this whole time and I've got a relationship with her. Whereas, you know, if I'm working in the system and somebody walks in the door in labour and I've never seen her before and I don't know what she really wants and she has a baby and then see you later and then never, never talk to her again, I'm not as invested in, in her experience, you know. So, yeah, that's another way of looking at it from the perspective of continuity in terms of midwifery care and, and midwives working in that environment, um, much more fulfilling, you know, care a lot more about what happens to women, um, yeah. So how do we get change to take place then? I mean, obviously, a, a film like this really, really helps. I, I found it fascinating and really informative and and it's really powerful stuff as i was saying to zoe before i'm i've watched it once i'm halfway through watching it again because i'm eager to write up about this but uh, yeah where do we go from here i i I think that this is a great start as well but um yeah Yeah. well we've got we've got a like zoe was saying before you know we don't want to just crack people open with this stuff and not have somewhere to go with it so um, apart from wearing T-shirts, we've also got a campaign going on the side, which we're calling um, Breaking the Birth Silence Campaign. And this is where um, people can write letters to their MPs. It's, there's an app called the Do Gooder app. And basically we've got a pro forma letter that people can add to, add their own experience to, put their postcode in, and it will go directly to their local MP requesting, you know, change in maternity system or at least have a conversation about it. Let's let's start talking about how we can do that because it, it does come down to politicians because it comes down to funding and the way that the system works. And then aside from that, we're also collaborating, birth time are collaborating with Western Sydney University to do a big piece of research called... Um, birth experience in Australia. So everybody that comes to the, the movie will have a get a postcard with a QR code on it, which they can fill out a survey. And then we'll use that to look at what's actually happening in different models of care, what the outcomes are, so that then the, um, the outcomes of that research can be used again to show the politicians that this is a better way of doing things. Because we know, I mean, financially too, I mean, we haven't even talked about that, but money-wise it's so much cheaper as well to to keep women out of hospitals and to be paying a midwife to do their care if they don't really need obstetric care. Um, So, yeah, we've got, there's a lot of things going on. I'll add add to that. There's actually six steps and we've articulated the three by the T-shirt, the two parts. The two parts is the Break the Birth Science campaign and then share your story. And then there's also host a screening. We're very specific and really championing cinema. So you host a screening for your community. So that's one. We've also published a book to buy the book because that's going to be here forever. That gets left on tables as a discussion, as a research piece, as a piece that training midwives can quote, but also women can easily devour. It's a, called a handbook and it really can fit in your handbag. And there was one more and I can't remember. Oh, and join the hub. We've actually put together an entire research hub, which is all the long form of our interviews. And it's going to be a place, a subscription model where people can start to get informed because I, you know, when you fall pregnant, there's no place you're kind of told to go. You kind of get an ad hoc from family or women and, and we've got enough 
trauma stories informing the culture. We need to change the culture by making sure people are educated in the right foundation. So we're going to start the benchmark for the gold standard of birth education. And that's just the beginning. So it's kind of a big movement. We're kind of joining the revolution of all the women who have been working their asses off for the last decade. And the film is the beginning. Mm. Because in terms of the distribution model as well, people can host their own screenings of it. But, you know, often they'll be, you know, um, small maternity groups that, put it on a screening and then any money that is made from that goes to them and their group for them to be able to create change in their little local community. Yeah. Yeah, that's really helpful because as you're saying, um, and we didn't really touch on on finance side of it, but I, I do think that that's part of the, the discussion points. I know that from a, a governmental perspective, you know, obviously they're always looking at the purse strings and stuff like that. And so if you know the the care that that uh, women should be getting for you know postnatal care and prenatal care. If there's a more financially better uh, a pathway, then that might even help encourage something that is you know having a continuous midwife, having continuous care, and, and things like that. I'll just tell you quickly. It costs the taxpayer twenty five to thirty thousand dollars for a cesarean. If you put five grand in the hands of a woman who can choose to birth in the birthplace of her choice, a hospital, home, or in a birth centre, and you make that accessible, that's going to save the government and the taxpayers millions and millions and millions of dollars. Like it's like bottom line stuff, even before you look at the human rights and the physical and emotional well-being of the mother and the health of the baby. Like it's like no brainer. Yeah, yeah. And I know that we should all kind of respond to the emotional aspect of it all and and the human rights aspect, because that's that's the main aspect of of this discussion. But unfortunately, there are people out there who hear dollar signs and go and then they respond to that. And maybe through that, that might some change might take place. Um, Yeah. Look, I I think this is really brilliant and and powerful stuff. Uh, When is it hitting cinemas and when is it uh, when is it kind of rolling out around Australia? So February 11th is our Sydney premiere, our Australian premiere, and then we go around the country, us birth uh, time team, which is Selena Scoble, Drusha Sutton, Joe and myself, and we're running Q&A sessions and we really encourage people to come along to those. So there's 13, actually maybe 15, we're adding two more today um, around the country, and you can head to birthtime.world forward slash screenings to find out those. And after that, on the demand website, there are screenings popping up all around the country. I think currently there are 75 slated. And then, of course, as the cinema on demand model um, screenings are put into place, people want to host their own. You know, I think we're in for a long campaign and we're not going out of the cinemas anytime soon. So for the next six months, you know, you should be able to find the movie somewhere or request it to be somewhere if you feel really called to do that. That was Zoe Naylor and Joe Hunter talking about the documentary Birth Time, which is going to be heading out around Australian cinemas on February 11th. Again, head over to the show notes uh, down below or on the website, thecurb.com.au, to find out more details. And to find out more details about Birth Time, head over to birthtime.world, where you can see the T-shirt that uh, I was talking about right at the beginning of the episode and find out a whole bunch more. 
and you can also host your own on-demand screening too. And I highly recommend doing that. Uh, this film kind of reminds me of Taron Brunfitt's great documentary, Embrace, which had really, really great legs as a fan-force documentary way back in 2016, 2017 from memory. Really powerful film, that one too, and one that I think, uh, just like this, uh, needs the community to see it and to appreciate it and to embrace it birth time watch it i highly recommend it head over to the website thecurb.com.au facebook the curb au twitter the curb au as well uh follow us on social medias that is and if you want to go the extra step to keep this uh website and this podcast independent head over to patreon patreon.com forward slash the curb au where as little as a dollar a month keeps this website going that's enough from me guys thank you so much for listening and uh hope you're all staying safe and well wear a mask be kind to each other Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. Let Safeway help you unleash your globe with your favorite personal care products. Right now with Safeway, get great deals on all your favorite personal care products. Like Head & Shoulders Base Shampoo, Crest 3D Whitening Toothpaste, Listerine Antiseptic Mouthwash, Sensodyne Sensitivity Fresh Toothpaste, Degree Women Antiperspirant Deodorant, or Soft Soap Liquid Hand Soap. Visit Safeway.com or head into your local Safeway store for more deals and specific details.